Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On Monday the 28th of September, the Special Forces Police violently raided the Mapuche community of southern Chile. They did this with a number of bulletproof police cars, cannons shooting chemical powder and tear gas, and government helicopters. During the raid, Jose Conyalinko, a Mapuche leader, was shot in the face by police in his backyard in front of his family and community. These types of raids are commonplace among the Mapuche in Chile and are made possible because of the Pinochet dictatorship's anti-terror laws, which are still in effect today. Under such laws, 15 Mapuche community leaders... Under such laws, 15 Mapuche community leaders are currently in prison because they're opposing a forestry hydraulic company taking over their lands with the permission of the state. To talk more about this issue, Marisol Salinas joins me on Accent of Women. Marisol is a Mapuche in exile here in Australia and a member of the Latin American Solidarity Network, where she coordinates the solidarity campaign for the release of the Mapuche political prisoners. At the moment, there is uh, 15 political prisoners, Mapuche political prisoners, in three different Chilean jails. Uh, the situation is, doesn't change much. It's very similar than before. The um, Chilean state is using or applying the anti-terrorist law against indigenous who are uh, fighting for the land. So that's the main situation. And all this because there is some forestry, some hydroelectric companies and also some mining companies um, ready to start, uh, you know, they call it exploitating the land or investing in the Mapuche indigenous land. So the Mapuche struggle is very, very old and very, very long. Um, totally. in, in the in the history of the struggle, what are the various tactics that the state has used to repress the Mapuche? Uh, at the beginning, if we we look into what happened before the dictatorship, uh, we can say that there was a conflict between the Chilean state, but it was a little bit more. Uh, human conflict. What I mean by human is that they, they were looking into indigenous land, but they didn't have the capacity to apply uh, not just the anti-terrorist law, uh, laws who were unfair in regard of the process, you know, the occupation of the land or uh, investigations done by the government in regard of finding minerals or uh, in indigenous land. So there was some kind of Disagreement, but also there was um, a conversation or a small dialogue between the Chilean state and the community. Since the dictatorship, you know, um, the situation completely changed. So no dialogue, completely uh, invasion, the militarization of the communities, the expropriation of land, and with the neoliberal system that has been in Chile since then, uh, or more stronger than before, um, the application of the anti-terrorist law is one of the main issues right now because uh, indigenous don't have the capacity, you know, to uh, 
uh, express themselves. So the tactics the government has been using is basically before, uh, like cool people, you know, trying to get uh, good agreements with indigenous, but uh, a lot of lies coming from the government. After that, the application of the anti-terrorist law since uh, 1973 until today. Uh, So it hasn't changed that much since the dictatorship, all the governments, no matter if they are socialist government, democratic governments, you know, from the Christian Democratic Party or uh, right wing, you know, from the National Party, they, they use the same. So no one of them has been able to eradicate the uh, AT constitution that was created by Pinochet, the dictator, and that allow every government to use anti-terrorist law. And as I said, just against indigenous Mapuche, uh, is not a law that the government used against anyone else, you know, just in the Mapuche conflict. What was the intention of the original anti-terrorism laws? Who who was it initially intended for? Uh, the anti-terrorist law was against uh, the people, the Chilean people, people, not just people who were from left parties. It was for any Chilean who opposed the dictatorship. So that's when the the anti-terrorist law was created by the dictators. He he wanted to take every Chilean person voiced, and with the anti-terrorist law, to apply the law against any human rights fighter or any uh, grassroots movements or grassroots organization that they were fighting against the dictatorship during that time. So that's when the law became active. So as a way to have the, um, a, you know, as a way to do whatever they want, because that's basically what the anti-terrorist law is for. So they were able to not just put people in jail, to make people this long period of time. So, yeah, open the, the space for, you know, for them to do whatever they want with their opposition. After 1973, there was a lot of exile. So they were, uh, the people who were not killed, because that was the other thing, the dictator, you know, during Pinochet era, we didn't have political uh, jails or jails for political prisoners. So the political prisoners were created in 1990 when we started with the Democratic Christian Party. But during the dictatorship, you know, Pinochet was making people disappear or or they were killing people or people was, you know, uh, escaping or underground. So a lot of people from the left political parties, they, they were killed, and from left movement. So what basically, you know, they, they use the law, or the anti-terrorist law, more for, uh, for example, the Frente Patriotico Manuel Rodríguez, the MIR, who were no political parties, or the MAPU, they were less grassroots movement, or less revolutionary movement, basically. And at the moment, um, the the laws are being particularly used against the, Mapu- the Mapuche. Exactly. In, re- in relation, though, to um, a land dispute and a forestry dispute, who is there a company associated with the attempt to deforest this particular... Look, the process is very simple. You know, uh, the government with multinational corporations, they know very well that... Most of the Mapuche indigenous communities don't have a legal document that uh, show 
that Mapuche, who has been for more than 500 years in the land, are the owner of the land. So this multinational corporation with uh, specialized lawyers, you know, they do these investigations. Uh, before they do any process or occupation or displacement, they investigate, they know that the particular Mapuche community don't have any uh, documents that prove that they own the land, and that's when they come uh, with a document saying, we are now the owner of this land. We are now the owner of this land because we uh, organize it with the Chilean state, and we understand that you have been here, but you don't have no way to prove that this is your land. So that, that's the way it has been happening. And there is no way the Mapuche people can go into any legal process to prove that the land where they have been for over 500 years belongs to them legally. Everyone knows in Chile that belongs to them, but there is no legal way to prove that. So what happened is that uh, that's the beginning. The company displays the community and they move into the land. They are forestry companies. Uh, they are from Spain. Spain, with some, some of them, they have some percentage that belong to some Chilean invest, investors, but most of them are from Spain. There is uh, some treaties signed between Chile and Spain where they come into the Mapuche land, they do the investigation, but the government is the one who pays, the Chilean government, the Chilean state is the one who cover all the costs of the investigation and the beginning of the business. So this is a, what Chile is doing is a really good business for foreign companies because it, who is not going to invest in a country who is paying for you, you know, for you to do all that business. So as soon as the Mapuche go back to the land after they being displaced, you know, they face the military and the Chilean police, not the multinational. It's the, the Chilean police who play a role as a personal security guard for this forestry uh, a hydroelectric company. So basically the Mapuche is not dealing with the Chilean state when they, they are in conflict. They are dealing with a multinational corporation who has more than 12, 15 lawyers. But the people who oppress and the one come into whatever tent you know they build back when they move back into the land is the Chilean police who play the role of security guards for this multinational. Then is when they, what they do, they take everyone who has been occupying illegally the land, that's how they call it, you know, Mapuche indigenous occupy the land illegally, and they put them in jail. And when they're in jail, they open a process uh, based in the anti-terrorist law, saying that these people intentions are against the Chilean people because they go against the, the development of the country. So that allowed the government to use the anti-terrorist law or apply the anti-terrorist law against the Mapuche. Most of the indigenous spend over a year in, in, in jail without being processed. It's just an open investigation. There is a few cases where Mapuche, after two years, they have the, the legal, you know, they go through the the court uh, to, to to see if they are guilty or not of any charge. You know, normally the charge that they were stealing animals from any other uh, land next to their land. You know, after two years, they said, oh, sorry, you were innocent. 
and that's when they close the process. So that has been happening. It's a very uh, terrible process where Mapuche indigenous don't have any voice. They don't have any way they can defend themselves. So what they do is they take out the leadership of the movement. They put them in jail with no, well, with some charges, but no investigation and no even no intention of going through a process. They just take them out of organising for two years and then put them back when uh, the opportunities to oppose something are now gone. Exactly. And there is two cases where, for example, uh, these two indigenous, you know, long cost leaders, we call it, two pennies, they were, you know, accused to initiate a fire in one of the forestry companies. And that allowed the government to, you know, accuse them or to to process them through uh, with the anti-terrorist law. The court, after six months, they the court, you know, said that they were innocent, that they were not enough proof to say that they were responsible for the accusation. So what happened is some uh, latifundistas, you know, we call Chilean people who are in indigenous land, you know, but they have a lot of money. They were not happy with this decision. So what happened, what they did, they pushed the case again. They didn't, they were not happy, so they appealed, and they moved the case to the Supreme Court, the Chilean Supreme Court. And the Chilean Supreme Supreme Court, uh, after six more months having these indigenous leaders in jail, they said that they were guilty. And why they were guilty? Because they allow the... Uh, the um, multinationals, you know, plus the police who were accusing these leaders to use witness without faith, witness transforming their voices, who testify in the court saying that they saw those two people, you know, in that moment, in that place when the fire started. That was more than enough for these two indigenous leaders to be guilty, you know, and spend five years plus one day in jail. Very long time. And as I said, and that's something that is still happening, you know, that they use every case is where the accusation comes from the forestry or the hydroelectric company and the police, you know, is using, uh, because the law allowed this to happen, witness without faith and without you know, allow them to transform also the voice. So the indigenous, the Mapuche, don't have no idea who is accusing them, who are these people, because they don't see them. They are not allowed to see them. And these 15, around which there is now an international campaign calling for their release, how long have these 15 been in prison so far? Uh, look, some of it is buried. They, they all have been there for diff, you know different periods. Some of them are, are already over two years in jail without going into a legal or proper or fair process. Others have been there twelve months, fourteen months, seven months. So they are all there. They all have different. They all have been jailed in different periods. But they, what they all have in common that all of them are leaders of different communities who are today in conflict with the Chilean state because of this uh, project. You know, that there is a all hydroelectric company 
wanting to build one, two, three, four dams in that area, indigenous land, or forestry companies like Mininco, who is one of the biggest Spanish ones that is already in probably 13 different areas in Mapuche indigenous land. And is there much of a historical precedence for an international solidarity campaign resulting in the release of political prisoners? Uh, we had one of the. We have been campaigning uh, since 1995 here in Australia. Uh, first, trying to uh, educate Chilean people here in Australia about the situation of the Mapuche people, uh, denouncing what, what has been happening, you know, with the communities. Uh, during all this year, we have been campaigning, um, and we have been just one able, you know, to. A push internationally for the release of two indigenous Mapuche, just one. But you know, now uh, we are, or Mapuches, you know, we are very lucky that there is uh, some Mapuche uh, indigenous who study in the Chilean uh, education, high education. So we have some Mapuche who are lawyers and they are working with one Chilean lawyer who has been fabulous, and who has been supporting and uh, going into all this process with the Mapuches, uh, I can say probably two years ago, they, they start taking every case. And so now Mapuches, they have a way to defend themselves. So for the Chilean state, it has been a little bit more difficult to, um, to say, oh, this one is guilty. Or we talk about 15, 16 Mapuches in jail. Without these lawyers, we can say that will be probably 300 in jail. It's very good that there has been some capacity building among mm. um, the, the Mapuche. Is there much support from the Chilean labour movement? Is the trade union movement left-wing and does it have any power? No matter if the coup in Chile has been in, you know, the Socialist Party all the Communist Party has been always in power. You know, they have been always leading these workers' organizations. They don't have representation. It's not like here. Uh, they don't represent the working class in Chile. They represent the political parties, and, but not the working class. Being unionized in Chile is very different than being, being unionized here. So being a union member doesn't mean the union can help you or can fight a case if you have unfair dismissal or any situation, you know, it's very different, very different. So, no, really, no involvement at all. And tell me a little bit about the campaign to um, call for the release of this, these 15. I mean, their situation must be very serious if um, the local Mapuche lawyers have not so far been able to secure their release. So firstly, what are the chances and what have the activities included so far? So what happened is until now, uh, these Mapuche leaders, you know, the government uh, or the local government who is dealing with these cases, they haven't been able to, or they, because they don't have no responsibility to say, okay, tomorrow is the core hearing, because the anti-terrorist law allow them to keep them, you know, to 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 keep them there until they think they have all the uh, information they need to start the process. That's one of the issues why this Mapuche 
because the Chilean lawyer have they haven't been able to do anything because there is no way they can push for this process to be faster. The the only excuse the government needs is to say, look, we are not ready. We are still this is still under investigation. We are still looking for more proof. We don't have a case yet. Something like that. And you know, that's the only reason why this Mapuche they are still in jail. So that's the official legal situation for those Mapuche. But we know mm. that the reason is political. That is why we call totally. them political prisoners. Mm-hmm. So what does the campaign look like? What do the efforts look like to try and secure their release from a political point of view rather than a legal one? What happened is that the campaign is basically to denounce, you know. So uh, impunity is something natural in Chile. You know, we, we know that because... People like me and other people who came, you know, out of the dictatorship uh, as exile, you know, in any part of the world, we know that uh, until today we haven't we haven't been able to get justice. People who were supporters of the dictatorship or Pinochet, they are still free in Chile, and they are some of those rich people who have companies. That's the really the situation in Chile. No justice has been. Uh, uh, given to the Chilean people. And we are talking about since 1990 when we defeated the dictator. So we're talking about it's a long time, you know, and we haven't been able to see any positive change with none of these governments. So imagine, uh, for them, it's very important to keep these cases as quiet as they can. Less publicity. You will not find in any Chilean newspaper in the normal media, no information at all about these Mapuche leaders or the reason why they are in jail. No, the, the, the radios will talk about these issues. And if they do, they talk about, you know, a group of indigenous, or com- you know, they always try to create conflict. They don't understand, you know, the government who need the land for, you know, the best for all the majority of the Chilean. So denouncing is very important because from the Chilean consulate here, through the Chilean embassy in Canberra, they pass information to the Chilean government and they know that around the world people is getting informed and that there is a campaign. In the campaign, we normally mention the name of the Mapuches who are in jail. So, And that gave my people a possibility of have a, a quicker or a fair process. From there, the lawyers, you know, can do the job to push a little bit more. So we also try to support from here because one of the main issues also from a push indigenous because of the distance, you know, from the land where we live is that we don't have a bank account and we don't keep money in bank accounts that we don't have. So what we produce, we sell. So it's a, you know, there is a half a year we have money because we sell all what we produce. But the other half that normally is winter is when we use what we say. So Mapuches, you know, the relative of the Mapuches, don't have really resources to travel every day to go and see their relatives, you know, and provide some kind of support outside the jail to keep them, you know, in good spirit in regard that the, the case will be heard and it's going to be a fair process. So denouncing is one of the main points for us in this campaign. Uh, supporting the lawyers is the second point. The, the second point for us, because we need to make sure that they have at least money for the petrol, for the car. You know, if they need to mobilize from one jail to another, to you know, to talk to 
the Mapuche indigenous, and international solidarity, you know, writing letters. That's what we have been asking, you know, organizations writing letters to the Chilean government, you know, uh, saying that Chile signed the 169 OIT agreement, you know, uh, where they said that they will treat Mapuches in a fair way, they will respect, you know, human rights, and if there is a, a, a development or an idea, you know, the government needs to discuss, needs to have a conversation, a dialogue with the Mapuche communities who live in those lands to see if the indigenous allow the government to start exploring or whatever project they want. In Chile, it's not happening. There is a complete violation of human rights, Mapuche indigenous rights. Well, Marisol, there are many, many activities that people can get involved with. And if they did, if they wanted to write letters or support financially so that the lawyers can continue to travel um, between the families and those that are in prison, how can they get in touch with you and your organisation? Yeah, look, uh, last night we haven't been uh, requesting any money because, uh, you know, um, why? Because also, I forgot to mention this, Giselle, uh, last year, part of our campaign was to support as you know as much as we could uh, financially. But the Chilean government was using that in a negative way. They were, you know, in that moment, information came into the Chilean newspapers. But the information was, oh, you know, indigenous are getting financial support from other countries, you know, but they use it in a very negative way you know, saying that organizations from overseas were supporting and sending money to Mapoche, you know, to to help them with this kind of rebellion, you know. So what we decide, you know, eh, to avoid, to create more trouble from overseas to our brothers and sisters there was that our campaign at the moment will be mainly announcing and writing letters to the state. So people can contact LASNE, is the Latin American Solidarity Network, you can Google the LASNET webpage. You know, LASNET is L-A-S-N-E-T. Just Google, you will find the Facebook or webpage and you can get in contact with us. That was Marisol Salinas, a Mapuche in exile here in Australia and a member of the Latin American Solidarity Network. We were discussing the situation for the 15 Mapuche political prisoners held in jails across Chile and the campaign for their release. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. And if you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au and that's the digit three, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.